0: Hi, I'm Jessica Lindberg, and this is the HeartStrong Podcast, where we dive into all the messiness life has to offer, the good, the bad, and the beautiful. I've spent the last decade building a powerfully resilient life through personal trauma, and I'm here to share inspiring stories of hope and purpose. Join us for a conversation about what truly makes us heartstrong. With the start of a new summer and life slowly getting back to normal, you may be looking for ways to improve yourself and live a more intentional life. That's why the HeartStrong Podcast is back for a mini season with our hopeful summer series. The goal of the season is to look at life in a new way, evaluate our priorities, and establish some healthier habits as we embrace our new beginnings. Each episode will help you get back to business while also enjoying some compelling, surprising, and heartwarming stories. Today's podcast is going to be fun. I am sitting down with one of my best friends, Bridget Pascenti. Bridget and I have been friends for over 20 years. We have been in each other's weddings. We entered motherhood about the same time and have always been seekers of intentional living, spiritual practices, and I think we both pride ourselves on being continuous students of life. Bridget is a seasoned Ashtanga yoga teacher and practitioner training with the top teachers in her field. This work has really allowed her to embody her natural role of a leader, a mentor, a therapist, a sister, and a coach. And anyone who knows Bridget is drawn to her magnetic energy. We have hosted retreats together and share a real passion for helping women to grow through what they go through and also to become who they're created to be. Many people tell us that they love to listen to our conversations and want to know what we're thinking about. So today, (laughs) you get the privilege and the joy of listening to us chat it up. So we promise to keep it under an hour, which will be hard for us, but we'll do it. Welcome to the podcast, Bridget. So excited you're here. Thanks, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. So... You know, I obviously shared a few different things about you, but I would love for you to just share a couple things, you know, about you with our guests, a little bit more about yourself that you would like our listeners to know. So you mentioned um,
1: Ashtanga yoga teacher, um, and I'm a mother, a mother of two. I have a 15-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter, wife, sister, friend. Um, As we've talked about before, all of those things, and I don't feel defined you know specific, specifically by just one um and i think that while i identify with you know every single one of those things i'm always open to growing those roles as well
0: you know you became a yoga teacher so i think it would be kind of cool to say we worked in corporate america together that's where yes. we met one another yes. so our lives have seriously changed since those <laughs> days but we actually worked in corporate America, two different jobs together. Uh, we liked each other so much, we actually switched jobs together.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I um, followed you. I followed yeah. you. In fairness, I followed you for sure.
0: You led but, the way. But in all of that, you know, through that, you found yoga, which has really, I think, helped you to embody who you are. And so take us on that journey a little bit of how you found it, why it resonated with you, and just. How it's um, just become really who you are as a woman and a person.
1: Well, I think um, one of the the first reasons was movement. I have a dance background, so um, I was looking for something in my early twenties, right, to continue moving. I was still taking some dance classes, but then also there was this stress of the corporate world as well. And I had read, um, I wish it was a better story, but I, I uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, there was an article in a magazine, um, of, about Madonna. And at that time, she was very much a practitioner of yoga and more specifically Ashtanga yoga. And I, the, there was a photograph of her with her leg behind her head, sit, you know, some editorial on this amazing dress and whatnot. And, um, I'm like, Hmm, what is she doing? What is this? Mm-hmm. So I read a little bit more about it, um, and looked for, um, a class, uh, living in Chicago, looking for a class specifically in that style, in that vein. And at the time, I mean, this was 20 years ago, you, it wasn't ubiquitous. So there wasn't yoga in every gym, um, on every corner, a new studio popping up. So you did have have to seek it out. Um, it wasn't, like I said, mainstream. So, um, I started taking classes and, Really felt this mind-body connection. It was like from the first class. I can remember going, "Wow, I want to do more of this." I was sweating. I was exhausted. I was like, I, "What just happened to me?" You know, um, in different in a different way than taking a dance class and really pushing my body just physically. Mm-hmm. There was this other piece that was, like I said, this this mind-body connection, and. I never looked back from there in terms of just continuing to seek and learn more and more. And what I have found is, you know, through studying more of the philosophy, uh, philosophies of yoga is that when you're on the mat, yoga in essence is really about awareness, noticing and self-study. It's called Svadhyaya. And it's this idea that, you know, when you step onto the mat, you are, you're with yourself um, and it's not always pretty. And a, oftentimes you learn about the things that you maybe don't love so much or that you're not great at. Those are the things that come up on your mat. And then the idea is that to take that with you off. So I hope that answered the question. I don't know. I can just keep going on and on about that. But I, that's what drew me to it
0: and kept me. Kept you in it. And, I, and, and we've talked about all of these things so many times, but you know, I think a lot of people – let's just talk about an Instagram today or whatever, you know, someone standing on their head or they're doing a pose. And I think people can easily think that this is like a physical practice. And it's not that it's not a physical practice, but Mm. it's like you said, it's more of an inside practice. And I think you and I always talk about how life is really an inside job, yet we live in this external world that You know, validates the fact that you can stand on your head, or stand on your hands, or put your legs behind your head, or whatever it is. But that's not really what's going on. So talk to us about like what's really going on and what this idea of embodiment means to you.
1: Yeah. So to your point exactly, on I think some might even say if they were to look at maybe my Instagram, it's like wow, you know, the these things that she's doing with her body in this in the physical sense, and or and or oh that must be, maybe it's easy for her, right? So the external piece of seeing that and then sort of attaching yourself to like, oh, maybe, you know, I, I her world must be easy or whatever whatever narrative we've made up about that person, right? That's on you, right? That's not really maybe what that person is about. We're, we're, you know, curated, you know, all the words for what social media um, is about. But this idea of embodiment, and it's tangible, it's making visible a feeling, an idea, an emotion, so that you could be an embodiment of hope. And, you know, in your work, Jess, right, your story, your narratives, you know, that you have this embodiment of Here's a piece of a a, a chapter in my narrative and my story. And here's what I am embodying in terms of going forward and living out in the world. Because, you know, wisdom comes from living, right? And I always have, as a young girl, it was like God made us what we are, and what we become is our gift to God. And to that end is what I really do feel so strongly about. I mean, from a really young age growing up, that was that one statement to me that just grabbed a hold. And um, I feel like where I am through the self-study of this practice, which we can you know, talk about more of, I'm really big on practice. And I think so many fac- so many places in our life, we're practicing. We're practicing, mm-hmm. we're practicing. Not just a yoga practice, but it's a practice. That the embodiment of trying to, um, you know, that gift to God is what mm-hmm. I become
0: and become.
1: having that be in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And the idea of practice, like you and I talk about this a lot, and I think I'm going to say that statement maybe 100 times during May this I'll podcast. Totally. Just but, keep... um, you know, it's it's idea. it's alongside the idea of process, practice and process. And, mm. you know, you and I have bemoaned many times that in the world there are so many ideas around five steps to this, drink your lemon water and you'll have that, you know, but that that's not exactly really where it happens. That it's this continuous practice and process through our life. So talk to me about that idea. Um, I think a lot of women get tripped up in this space. And I think um yeah. like the way you think about it, I think is really, really important. And it's a message that really, really needs to be shared. Well, I
1: think that, you know, we talked about this just recently with, um, I had read, I believe it's the undefeated heart is her handle, but, uh, put down the self help book and get with the people who know you, um, especially a post let's speak in this post pandemic time too. And also the five steps. If you, you know, drink the lemon water in the morning, if you have a 30 minute pranayama uh, pranayama, breathing practice, if you're pulling cards, whatever the tools are, because I'm really big on tools. Absolutely. The tools are different for everybody and there are a lot out there, but that you find what works for you, that there is this, to Stephanie Boyce, our good friend of trying on hats to see what fits you and not her, you know, what fits you and is going to work for you. And then also just those, these small little pieces on a daily basis, consistency, Reps, um, Resma Memenikum. We talked about this. Uh, is a, a therapist and teaches cultural somatics, and I love how he talks about practice in, in the reins or in the area of arena of um, cultural somatics. But to me, it works everywhere. It's that you have to keep stepping into those shoes and doing this over and over again, right? to feel it in your body so that you do feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you start with the trying on, but it's just, it doesn't come to you in the middle of the night and all of a sudden, okay, here you are. And a practice is everything from like, hmm, okay, this this daily practice that allows me to lower my anxiety level. So I maybe I'm doing these five minutes of breathing exercises, resonant breathing, whatever it is. And I'm trying to just keep that, you know, with me, right? Um, those are the things that you can take on yourself to affect some type of transformation. And, and that's for you and not somebody else. So I love that there are so many ideas out there. Um, but I think you also have to be very realistic on your definition of Practice what you value. What fits into your life? What makes sense? What is something that you can try to, and uh, make an embodiment or create an embodiment with? Make that visible in your life. And I think it's. I think it's definitely through practice.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And we live in a culture that loves the gold medal platform, right? Loves the pinnacle of, of somebody's life, of where they've become, of when they can do this or that. But doesn't really, um, you know, cheer on always the journey, the, the, the showing up every day on the mat, right? The the showing up when you really don't know what you're doing, the being a beginner. And I think that um, yeah. that's the beauty of I, what you have even taught me is just those little steps that you take is just showing up in that place. And, you know, and, and as you do and that- When you're, you're not ready.
1: When you're when you're, not, when you're ready. not
0: ready, and when you're just just there, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're that's, so go ahead. Go, ahead. No, no, you go, go ahead, go.
1: No, you go. No, you go. Go ahead. I was just saying, showing up when you're not ready, because I think that's one of the biggest things, and we've talked about this. Because what? Ah, come on. I mean, when are we always like just buttoned up and ready to go? And speaking in the arena of motherhood, the number of things that come in front of, you think you're ready. And then you have to, you know, and then it's like this, that, and the other is being thrown at you. And now it's just like, okay, what, what am I going to do? You know? And we get, you know, we get put to task. And, and, um, and I think that's a huge practice is really, and that was a big one for me because I like to, I'm a recovering type A, as as I like to call it, the eldest of four kids, the big sister. So I felt like I needed to be ultra prepared. And that's pretty much how I lived my whole pretty much childhood. And I would only show up to things that I really knew I was going to be good at. Mm -hmm. And and there's that huge lesson there. It's like, I now have this like litmus of like, okay, mm, I don't really know. Or if I'm immediately like, mm, mm -mm, I'm like, oh, I have to sit with it. And I'm like, I probably really should. I probably really should. Because that's my initial thought is that no, I don't. And I'm not saying that we need to do all the things that we don't want to do. I don't mean that, but, like, sit with it and really understand why was that your why was that my reaction or your reaction to it? Maybe it's where it maybe that is the place you should be showing up.
0: so mm-hmm. and I th- I love what you said about motherhood because I do think, there's so many women out there who want to do things. They want to try things. They want to do things, but like, it's just not the time, you know, wait till my kids are older. I'll wait till I'm in better shape. I'll wait till this. I'll wait till that. And you and I talk about all the time Mm -hmm. of the just doing like, for example, you and I talked earlier today on the phone. We hadn't even prepared for this call yet, even though Mm -hmm. we talk all the time my son Chase broke his or fractured his clavicle in baseball last night. He's on the couch upstairs. I'm picking up kids at school and I'm like thinking to myself, maybe I should cancel my podcast recordings today. But I'm like, no, it's about showing up imperfectly as I am and just making it go, you know, and it's not, it's not buttoned up. And I guess I'm a good enough talker that I can make it happen. But that's the idea that if you have something that you want to do, like try it out, right? Try it on, give it a go. Yeah. And
1: be vulnerable in that space because if we show up if we're and we're not completely buttoned up and prepared, right? That means we're going to be that we're stepping into a little bit of a vulnerability. And that is that's tough, you know. That's tough. But I think if we can do that more as women, too, it really gives the permission for others to do the same and are just stepping into some of these arenas that they maybe never thought they'd be invited to or belonged or were worthy of being there. And you're the only one that can show you that you are. And you're the only one that can give it a go and give it a try. Nobody's going to pass you this, you know, here we go. And, you know, it's not going to happen. You have to carve that out for yourself. Because even if somebody invites you to that table, you have to think that you're worthy of being at that table. Mm-hmm. So the invitation is only as good as how you feel on how you're receiving that invitation. That's that whole thing about how you show up, you're responsible for, how it's received, you are not, mm-hmm. you know, by others, you are not. And that's something that I think really stops, to your point, Jess, really can stop women from showing up in places they absolutely should be. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so good. You know, you're really good at kind of putting your blinders on and just doing things. And <laughs> you know it kind of if you if you think about it, it's actually also like showing up on your yoga mat because you're gonna be in a class with 25 other people who may be better or not as good as you, different body types, different spaces in life different color yoga mats, different outfits. Like, And if we spend the whole class looking around at what leggings she's wearing or the pose she can do or that I should go buy that mat because it's cooler than mine, we miss out on what's there for us. Mm -hmm. And talk to me a little bit about that value in putting those blinders on and just – being where you are. Because you work with a lot of women. I really think you have such a good pulse on the heart of women and what they're thinking about. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. But talk to me about this idea of putting your blinders on, getting on your mat, and doing your thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think definitely teaching has really afforded me some of this um, knowledge, I guess. Or maybe I've we're going to stretch here some wisdom on What women really do want. Mm -hmm. And it's space. It's space to be. We don't necessarily want to hear what you have to say about this, that, or the other, but it's space. And so I really love teaching and holding space for people, not only women, but uh, definitely um, uh, more women than men to come in and have that Space for themselves to really, like I was saying earlier, step on the mat and reveal uh, maybe not all great stuff to themselves and then have to sit with it because you don't just get to kind of turn and step off and walk out. You have to keep moving. And the pattern of the sequencing of breath and movement together keeps you on this sort of cadence to do that. And so that's this framework that really, really has worked for me. Um, I, I practice specifically a style of which there is no music. Um, the the music is use your breath, and so there's a breath. There's a count. You're counting your movement, and also there are counts for inactive movement where you are just breathing. And that was very helpful for me. And when you get sort of the science behind some of that too, it's about the vagus nerve and lowering your anxiety level. You know, informing the brain, saying it's you know modulating, saying like. Lower anxiety and the nervous system starts to calm down. Blood pressure goes down. Cortisol levels go go down. And I've just seen an accumulative effect of that from practicing for so many years because I definitely was operating at a very high level, like I said, recovering, you know, type A, a little bit more anxious performance, wanted to do all the things and do them all well. And so I definitely was someone who needed to take it down a notch in order to be that mm-hmm. i mean literally just to be in my body and to really start to listen to it um and so for me starting wasn't sitting in meditation as some people think like yoga is just sitting still and that's silly too because we can't we can sit still with the body but the mind is always going to be going that's like asking the brain to turn off it's not going to happen but that breath with movement was um something that was so important for me over long periods of time to get to this state and I hope it just continues to just permeate, you know, my life and continue to grow and gain more and more wisdom. But so there it is, the space, the space for women to be alongside uh, to not always have the most profound thing to say, I don't have to do much when I teach. I really don't. I just need to create the space for people to, to come in and do their work, to do her work. That's what I get to oversee, and it's such a beautiful thing.
0: Hmm. So, you know, we we've been going through this crazy year, and kind of on that topic of like being where we're at and breathing which we've all had to take lots of breaths in the last year <laughs> and just mm-hmm. you know being tuned in as a person to I think like I said before the heart of women and what they're thinking about talk to me about like some of your reflections of this year like where do you think women are at now like especially in this post pandemic I guess we could call it period you know what are they right. thinking about what what's on your mind what are you noticing
1: yeah. Um, you know, and I think we, we've we spoken about this. Um, this idea, I feel like post-pandemic, like what was, what were the themes, you know, what was happening during, and it was like this frenzy of this, like, just really almost bringing it down a bit, you know, it's just such a frenetic, we were operating at such this overkill sort of uh, pace, um, lack of a better word. Right. And Overconsumption, over commercialized all the overs, you know. Yeah. And I feel like it took a while for the nervous system, right, for speaking on that level too, to sort of come to terms with it. I think people, yeah. you know, sleeping was like what, I, you know, I'm and, um, like you said, taking breaths, really listening to your breathing, and, and just noticing all of the stages of sort of coming down off of that high uh, platform. And then I think we got to this place where we're like, hmm, okay, now I'm ready. I'm in it. We're in it here. Let's do something with this. Let's have Mm -hmm. some reflective time, some, you know. um." And now we're coming, you know, out of it. And I feel like there was a, I use the word freedom, right? From when we were in it, this idea that we weren't so overscheduled. We had that stage where, there was a regulatory posture, right? Because mm-hmm. while well, their kids couldn't be in 10 million things, our social calendar couldn't be anything. You know, those essential workers, obviously, and in different categories, were going to work at the same capacity or more so. Mm-hmm. But then you had those that were going to these large offices that no longer were going to those offices. And now we're working from home. And What does that look like? And now we've got four or five, six people trying to do school, work, and everything mm-hmm. else, lunch, dinner, breakfast, and the whole whole mm-hmm. day in one, under one roof. And there was some of that that was very freeing because the expectations were lowered. We weren't ex- from other people and ourselves. Like we weren't putting those on ourselves like, ooh, this person's got her child and this, that, and the other. And now I should be doing that. Should I be doing it? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to do it. So I felt like people got to a really like, almost to the point where then coming out was like, Mm. And I think you're going to have a lot of people that don't want to. I think that do not want to come out of this because the pace of which they were then operating at, they felt much more comfortable and maybe even more so in their bodies. And so how can you preserve some of that? Because Mm -hmm. the world is going to get back to, Mm -hmm. and it already is starting. It is. And notice how you feel when you have to go into maybe a social setting. I had a girlfriend who... Had to go to a baby shower and she was like, Mm -hmm. I needed a nap. You know, she's (laughs) like, I'm like, well, you kinda need a nap anyway after (laughs) baby showers and wedding showers. But she was like, No, just the social output. Mm -hmm. Once again, the practice, the reps. She's like, I'm not in practice of that anymore. Being in front of people, maybe I'm on the phone talking, but being in front of people and having to socialize and communicate and connect. And do all those things for two, three hours. She's like, I'm out of practice. Yeah. And so I think that's really mm. interesting. Um, and the other piece that I know we've talked about, one that I'm feeling is, so how do we keep some of that? I have to, I'm to. saying no to a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm saying no to that. I know that's been big for the past you know, few years of this idea of saying no. And um, I feel as women... We have to say no like 10 more times maybe yeah. than men do on the same question. <laughs> um, it, it's a, are you sure and keep coming back and really holding firm on that. And, um, and that's hard. It's because you want to be like, didn't you hear me the first time? You know, right. like take me seriously. Give me the respect to listen um, the first go around. But saying no and a lot of women that I'm talking to, um are really having a hard time. They're totally hearing me and doing the yes, yes, yes about I wanted to preserve some of this and I don't want to go back to that crazy schedule. And they don't want to be in my car going to and from. And I see this sort of like almost mourning of now they're in it and they're like, oh, but I'm not doing a good job of doing that. Doing that. Yeah.
0: You know? Well, and sometimes I think back to the putting your blinders on when you're on your mat. You know, I think we've lived this life where, like you just said, well, her daughter's in that. I should put mine in that. They're going to that place. We should go too. They're getting that. We should get that. Because we've created like success and we've labeled it as something that's like external, you know? And so I think it's really an act of courage to look at our lives and say, no, no. And it doesn't really matter what someone else is doing, and I think that we haven't we don't live in a world that models that very well. We are so inundated also, and I think with messages, with you know social media, et cetera. Um, so I think it's like being courageous as a person and choosing ourselves and our families. I know for me, I've been really like the summer's coming, my kids are out of school at, this week, and I get kind of stressed out about summer. Like it kind of really stresses me out because especially having a child with like multiple disabilities, it's not this fun, spontaneous thing that in my mind it should be. However, and even with, you know, then you got kids that are on bikes around the neighborhood and you got to know where they are, and you know, this and that. But it's like, I thought to myself the other day, I'm like, I'm never going to have this summer with my kids again, whatever it looks like, whatever it is. And I do think that was one of the gifts of the pandemic. We we got to For be sure. with our people and we're like, yes. As hard as this is, there is something sacred in this space. And I think people that's what people want to preserve the the sacredness, the presence. I think we have this desire to be present in a world that doesn't do a very good job of helping us do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we like the idea, we love, love, love the idea of being present, but it weren't, we, before pandemic, 100%, we weren't, we just like the idea of it. Again, mm-hmm. and I go back to sort of that, um, I touched on, you know, put down the self-help book and just yeah. get with your people. And the thing is, is that's what we got. And we talked about this pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, um, I think if you asked a lot of people, they would have said, oh, give me like a 12 month sabbatical. Give me a a year off on what I'm doing in terms of work. Well, here you have it. You had it. You got it Mm -hmm. in some ways, you know, in some categories for most, again, not for all. What are you going to do with it? You know, where Mm -hmm. are the lessons from that? So for you, maybe, right, you're saying with summer coming, it's like, if you were to be honest, right, you're feeling maybe a little less like, stressed than you did pre-pandemic about the summer because you know what you've already done it you've already done several (laughs) months with your kids at home I mean it's true and I feel the same Jess in that we're uh, what camps were my kids going to do so that they were had enrichment you know lack of a better word or were furthering their skills in some sport or some art form or what have you to keep them busy. See, yeah. And it's the art of non-doing that yeah. we uh, as Westerners are horrible at. Yeah, Yoga also, also tries to help inform you on how to become better at non-doing and non-knowing. Mm-hmm. And um, that is not easy, especially as Westerners. It's really not. But the pandemic, that was a beautiful thing that did come out of it, like you said, just, just really, really we were forced into accepting the present moment forced into it forced into it yeah even if we didn't want to know
0: yeah and we also learned that the hustle wasn't going to get us anywhere cuz it wasn't cuz we couldn't hustle we so couldn't I was, hustle anywhere yeah we couldn't hustle anymore and you you mentioned before like freedom like you you know you, you that there was some freedom that came from not having to do these things and you know, I know you talk a lot about non-negotiables. Like that's something that you and I both talk about. Like what is non-negotiable? I think collectively our non-negotiables became more clear because we were with our people and you you know, read countless things of people saying how important it was to be with my family and take care of my kids and keep them safe and and all of that. But I also think people, I sense people felt you know, my mom, for example, is a is a career counselor and her business like skyrocketed through COVID because people got still, they got quiet, they stopped hustling and they thought, God, I hate this job. This is not my calling. This is not what I'm here to do. And so what do you think about the idea of like, we come to these realizations that things aren't serving us anymore, whether it's our schedule, our job, the way we're operating as parents, the 5,000 things that we're doing, the $5,000 we're spending on things that we're doing. like What do we do when we say, wait a second, I, I want to be a person with more non-negotiables? How do, you, how do you think about that? How do you operate from that space?
1: From that space, yeah. So I think here's where a little bit of what you were saying too is a lot of courage. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want to have some transformative experience, and I can talk a little bit about this too, but we've talked about the impermanent state. Mm -hmm. That's something also within yoga that was really helpful for me that helped me transform my process of thinking that, you know, impermanence on on a basic level is just the state of lasting for a limited period of time. And beyond that, it was, it was taught in, in Buddhism, but to, really, um, release from attachment to what causes suffering or afflictions. Um, we call them in yoga, kleshas. And so this idea that, you know, you have a feeling come in and that you don't need to attach to that one feeling and really identify it. Of course, naming and all of that and becoming, uh, like noticing it, witnessing Mm -hmm. it, being that like witness consciousness, is great, but then within five minutes, that that might flow through you into something mm-hmm. else. There's that idea. So this whole this whole process of okay, transforming. I no longer really love this, but this idea that I set ten years ago into this job and said, "This is mm-hmm. I found it," and you identify with it. It's okay to switch and to shift. Mm-hmm what you are identifying with, because again, it's impermanence. You can't expect to be the same person you were 10 years ago, even 10 minutes ago, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when you really start to understand that on like the most basic level, it's freeing. It's like, oh, great. Okay. So right now I can like be losing my mind inside and the next, you know, find this inner peace and calm. And and what switched me in there was just kind of staying with it Mm -hmm. and not staying with that, And going down that path was just saying, I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to let it flow through me. So in terms of, I want to switch jobs. I hate this career. How's it? You got to be courageous. You have Mm -hmm. to be a little bit, it might look so not understandable to everybody else, but it makes sense to you. And I oftentimes think we really put way too much on, I mean, you just said it earlier, On what others are are thinking about Mm. what we're doing, and that informs us. It should be the other way around. It's like, listen here, and then go, and then everybody else will go. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they got it. Yeah, yeah, they're going back. You know, they're selling their home, taking their backpacking in Europe for a year, taking your whatever. It's and let them chat. Let the Mm -hmm. chatter go. Who Mm -hmm. cares? You know, because if you really believe in what you're doing. And there's a lot of self-love behind it, reflective, uh, a reflection. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You're going to absolutely be fine. You know, the naysayers, let them go. Let them
0: go. Mm -hmm. Let them go. I love that. I think that that is is such good advice. And I just want to, you know, give our listeners permission. If you've gone through this season and you are ready for a change, go for it. Like There is so much life to live and becoming... Like unraveling the onion you know layer by layer to become more of who we are created to be means that we have seasons that we do things and then seasons we let them go and we find our next thing and and I think that's such a beautiful process of life versus hanging so tightly onto something that no longer serves us
1: right and I have actually have um, on one of our windows in the kitchen, I take a um, a marker to, um, an erasable marker. I could not think of that word, erasable Mm -hmm. folks, any Mm -hmm. erasable marker. And every week I write something new on there. Mm -hmm. And I like that you can see the light comes in, you can see through it. But, um, young Pablo, uh, this whole idea that you are allowed to transform over and over Over again. again. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, and I want my kids to know that 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not something I knew when mm-hmm. I was younger. Me I, either. No, right? No. I, don't, I think generationally too, it's nothing against my parents who were loving yeah. and I had idyllic childhood, but I didn't know that. I really felt like, and even when you were looking at schools for university and college, it was like, what's your major? Yes. We don't even ask the kids that anymore. You right. know, it's like, they just get to go and figure it out. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to go back. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. Well, I don't think it was modeled for our parents. I mean, Crush. you know, if you look at that, you stay in a job for 30 years, you get your pension when they used to have you one get, and you move exactly. on. Like, like no, where there's so many more layers to us than that? Yeah. I think that – so we talked about – we were talking about um, process and practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the challenges I think people have had through this pandemic is, well – Sometimes marriage hasn't been the easiest thing. We've all been home. So now we're working together and we're doing kids together. And you and I are pretty blessed because we both have partners who are partners. You know, they truly show up in this world, you know, getting the kids, cleaning, whatever they'll just do, cooking, whatever they need to do. Like it's very much a partnership. But That has also been a practice that we have employed in our lives. It's not always been easy. There are these things. I do think one of the things that's interesting about the pandemic that I observed, I felt like it almost exacerbated gender roles Mm -hmm. because I think that there was a sense like, and I don't think it was necessarily the people involved, like the parents, the men and the women. I think it was almost like the businesses they wanted to keep them going. So it's like, dad's got to go in his office and close the door. Mom's office is going to be at the kitchen table while she's like also Mm -hmm. teaching math, you know? Right. And so, you know, but you and I would be the people that you'd be like, hey, wait a second. We need the office in the other room for a minute. You sit at the table, you know, but that's been this practice. So like, talk to me a little bit about that idea of partnership being a practice, because No one's relationship is perfect. I mean, you and I like to think we are, but we're actually, we have our flaws too. Um, And um, I just think that that's something that we sometimes look from the outside and think people have these like perfect or ideal relationships, but it is a practice of growth that is exacerbated during these times.
1: Yeah. And and I think to that end, there is this idea of always uh, recognizing that We're, I've said this many times, but, you know, fallible humans that we're making mistakes, but that we're, again, same thing, allowing space, some type Mm -hmm. of space. And that was really hard during pandemic. Again, if you have everybody under one roof, space was Mm -hmm. tough to come by, you know, and alone time, Mm -hmm. um, not having somebody tethered to your side or in your ear or in your personal physical space, Mm -hmm. um, So for sure, there are these ideas that you have to allow each other to evolve and come forward and say, hey, guess what? I hate this job. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, talk to me. Like, what, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you thinking about? Because obviously this, this will affect our family, you know, Mm -hmm. if this is not something that you want to do. So, you know, let's talk through this. Where would we go next? This Mm -hmm. partnership of not just it's, you know, you here and me here and we're going along here. It's like. We are going along doing our thing, having our tools, coming together, and just that mutual respect for one another to continue to evolve as humans. I've known uh, my husband for over 20 years. I, you you know, you and Eric have known one another, been together for a long time, and that's what it takes. I mean, it takes this practice of really letting someone else take center stage, get the mic, and not just you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same principle that we all want as friends, you know, partners, mothers, uh, you know, all of this, just give me some space, you know, mm-hmm. give me some space to be walk alongside me. I don't need anything. One of Neil's things that he's definitely taught me is because I love to chat as we know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's like, when you're working with a partner or two, and, and working through something, it's like, you do want to sort of have so Some, maybe something profound to yeah. offer them. And that's yeah. even with friends or coworkers or your boss, you know, we're not always going to have these aha nuggets to give, right. you know? And so a lot of times, you know, it'll just be like, I don't need to hear any, you know, psychological, t- <laughs> you know, takedown of me here, you know, <laughs> intake rather right. just listen, you just know? Be. And so he's also very, he's also been amazing for me in terms of saying, just just sit by me here and, and listen to what I have to say. so
0: I love that. I, so that's like a perfect segue into talking about friendship because I really want to break this down. You know, Bridget and I have been friends for over 20 years. Like I said, we were in each other's weddings, but we also came into motherhood about the same time. So my son, Ethan, was born about six months before Rocco before your son Rocco. Mm-hmm. And um obviously as my listeners know or can easily find out my son Ethan was born with a rare congenital heart defect and was quite ill as a baby. And Bridget, who even that was actually early in our friendship if I really think about it. You know, we really didn't know each other for mm-hmm. many many years, but you showed up in that space. Right. You came to my Echo appointments while I was pregnant with him. You came to the hospital in Boston when Ethan was sick, and you were pregnant with Rocco. And you know, I love that about you. That has been one of the greatest gifts that you've given me because I see many women who say, and I and I I see, think this is true, like their friends don't want to enter into their difficult story because ooh if her kid died, maybe my kid will. If her kid's sick, my because because that's our biggest fear, right, as mothers. I mean, our children are everything to us. So the thought of anything, if anyone even breathing the idea into our brains that something had happened to them is just so repulsing. I um, and I understand that. But you entered into my story and my life with your family. Um, We have great pictures of Ethan and Rocco together. Like, talk to me about how you did that, and and I want you to sort of in this moment even be a teacher to other women out there who are struggling maybe with showing up for a friend or feeling comfortable in that role because I will it's it can be a, it's an uncomfortable space to be, right? And that's a perfect right there. You said it. You have to be
1: comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. you're again you're not going to know all the right things to say. You know, oftentimes I think it's just really again on qualifying how we're going to show up, that we don't feel like we're ready. I don't, you know, I knew nothing about those echoes. I couldn't read them. You became an absolute expert on, I mean, to to everybody, you know, listening out there, I mean, this woman, like quick study on everything to the point I was like, you need to go to med school, girl. (laughs) I mean, you're, you're, you know, and so there was, I leaned on her, you know, I leaned on you. To just also carry me along with you, but I wanted to go along with you. I felt again, I've said this before, there wasn't fear. I didn't have any of those fears like transference. This is going mm-hmm. to now happen to me. Um, so I didn't have that. But for for listeners, and this is a very real thing. That doesn't mean that that, that absolutely is something. You know, I do have fears. It wasn't that per se, but it's the idea that. I'm learning on the job. Mm -hmm. And now I'm learning on the job with my very best friend who's going through something and she needs me to be here. Just as if this were me and we were swapping, Mm -hmm. she'd be here for me. That is called being a really good human, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is where, again, Wisdom is through living. And that is we learn, here's the practice again, stepping in, stepping in, stepping in when we just don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't debilitated by that fact of, I don't know what I'm even looking at, but I'm here for you. Let me hold your hand. I, you know, any of the, anything that you need, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Let's go over this. Let's record what they're saying. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm your assist. What do you, Mm -hmm. you, what do you need from me? that's friendship. That's partnership. That's all of it. That's just being a good human out in the world to a stranger, Mm -hmm. you know, that you don't know anything, know anything about. I've always been drawn to what makes humans tick, you know, and I coming from a very small town of about 5,000 people growing up of all this very similar backgrounds and color I've always been drawn to shifting and becoming way more expansive. I'm not very big in stature. And I think that that's, you know, it's it's hilarious in that nature that I just feel so much bigger than than the vessel that God put me in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's beautiful. And, and, you know, kind of coming full circle in this conversation too, it's like showing up for life as a student.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. as a yeah. student,
0: as saying, instead of saying, "I have the answers," because mm-hmm. once we resign ourselves to the fact that we actually don't have the answers for mm-hmm. really anything, I mean, yes, that's, really freedom. On, that's freedom. That's freedom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's saying, yeah, it, it it's saying, "I'm just going to be here. I'm going to hold this space. I don't have the answers. I don't, and I don't think people going through difficult things." need us to have the answers for them. I think they just need us to show up. And yeah. um, it's very simple, but I think people feel like it's very complicated. And so, I don't know, you did that in such a beautiful way for me. And the cool part is like, I've gotten to enjoy watching Rocco grow up and almost, you know, from a distance, being part of what that looks like. Like we hung out at the lake last year and just seeing him Brought me so much joy, you know, and also you got to know Ethan in his space and what he was like because you were willing to enter into that space. So it's like beautiful to enter into each other's lives. With We don't have to have the same story, but we can always learn from one another.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think this comes back to full circle of the practice of doing that, that, yeah. that we don't shy away from the experiences of which we can be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. be I, be it not knowing anything about the situation really that we're stepping into, but that there's trust that I'm going on this. This is part of my journey. This person Mm -hmm. is in my life. I mean, it's unfathomable to me. And yet we've heard it from women when we've done, you know, mom's retreats where friendships really do tend to just fall away. They're really good friendships fall away. Um when they've, you know, they are nurturing and and with a sick child and it was like I I, I that was so shocking to me. It really was one of the most shocking pieces because I thought to myself, well now this is I I just can't believe this. And yet it was very real. And it's fear-based. It's mm-hmm. fear of just it could be as simple as this is a really Great person, but they don't know what to say. So they just start to fade into the background until it's like, maybe they don't notice. I'm not here anymore. Not here. And the further you get away, the harder it is to re enter Um, and come back in. As humans, we do that too. It's like when we fall away, we have such a hard time of going, oh gosh, how do I re enter? Mm -hmm. Just do it. You know, just we go back, just show up, just show up saying nothing. You don't even have right. to you don't have to explain why you were gone for even five years. I really fully believe that because yeah. I think it's again the freedom word it's it is freeing to know like I don't have to explain myself, you know what I'm just going to show up again, and if they're willing to receive me again, you are not in control of how it's received. Mm-hmm. Just show up, you'll get your answer there, yeah, you know you'll get your
0: answer there. that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So, I mean, we've talked about so many things that I would consider heartstrong, you know, Mm -hmm. all about like this, you know, this podcast has really, for me, been a journey of learning from others. Like, how do people grow through challenges in their life? What are they thinking about? What can I learn from them? And I think that if I'm honest, I'm sort of on this quest personally to continuously do that in my own life. So, you know, what would be maybe a couple takeaways that people could take from you about how you... Live Heart Strong, how you kind of grow through challenges in your personal, like practices that you use specifically, or things that they could walk away from this podcast saying, I might try this or that in my own life to see if it works. Try on that jacket, if you will, to see yeah. if, this, if this fits for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think,
1: you know, a couple things, I mean, outside of tools, I think I've, I've talked about, you know, extensively what I, what I use myself, which is the mat. Um, and some breathing practices, um, in and out of other sort of somatic, you know, mind body connection practices. Um, I'm a believer in all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I might not be using that tool right now, but if it's out there and it speaks to you, then answer that call. And again, try on that jacket and see if that works for you. If, if I represent anything in that, uh, in this, in this arena, it's that, it's mm-hmm. that be willing to be, uh, you know, a little bit brave, a little bit crazy Mm -hmm. and a little bit resourceful. You know, you have to sometimes if it's not going to fall in your lap and it it might mean that, you know, wow, this I've read about this, but I'm in an area that it's not really accessible. Well, gosh, we know now, you know, we we have so much more access to things um, uh, with no boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, geographically, So I would say that definitely, you know, trying on seeing if it works for you, but really you specifically. And mm-hmm. then the other piece, too, is this getting with people that, you know, one of the yeah. I've learned so much about myself not only just from self-study, but from people who know me and who know me well. Yeah. You know, that sort of like, oh, okay, like that's good to, that's good to have that feedback. And, you know, you have a little bit of like a heartwarming, like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. That's been my intention, but I don't know if that's how it's being received. So I think it's, you know, share with those people that are close to you, um, don't feel uncomfortable I, I always uh sign off on the phone you and I do this you do this as well this practice for me is love you or love you yeah. to anyone and everyone I mean sometimes mm-hmm. it's awkward because of it's <laughs> so, so many things, you know but it's no harm yeah um, and that is a practice I have you know embodied for a really really long time because love you um yeah and that we are all walking each other home and mm-hmm. You know, you know, you and I believe that. And um, there is a a yoga teacher who uh, speaks about whenever, I mean, this is pretty intense and and Mm -hmm. pretty deep, but when he, when he meets somebody and he's shaking somebody's hand, he's like, you know, you're, you're meeting somebody and shaking somebody's hand who is moving in the same direction that you are moving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you know where that's going and that, that just sort of has this like equalizes it, you know? leveling it's like this humanness um that we all share and if we can just find a piece it could be the smallest piece but just something in identifying i think that it takes away the fear it takes away the fear of you showing up in this specific way to enter into somebody's space to meet somebody new to enter into a new social circle or your kid's school and it's brand new all those things that we sort of Automatically start to think, am I good enough? Am I mm. worthy enough? Can I, should I be here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Should I be invited? You know, and once again, you can be invited, but if you don't feel like you belong there, you know, the invitation is sort of null void. So I think those practices, but I always like those three things that resourceful, little bit uh, you know, brave, of course, and then a little bit kind of crazy. Doing yeah, doing things that it's like,
0: all right, yeah. give it a go. Give yeah. it a go. I love that, well, thank you so much for sharing this time with me, Britt. I love you, and I'm so thankful for you and we could truly talk for twelve hours if mm-hmm. we had the time. We have a million topics to talk about, but mm-hmm. next season, next season <laughs> the way the way you approach your life as a woman, as a mother, as a business owner, all the things that you do are I've learned so much about myself from being your friend, and I think that is like the gift of friendship is that we get to enjoy other people and the gifts that they have, but then we learn something about ourselves. So
1: 100% and ditto to you. And also the piece about I, you know, speaking with you always fills my heart, you know, it always, so there's the heart strong. It always fills my heart. There's always just this like burst, you know, with our conversations, Mm. I really get energized. Yes.
0: Well, I just have to end on the fact that we used to sit in our cubicles when working advertising (laughs) saying we wanted to have our own radio show. (laughs) And here we are. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the radio, to the interweb. Yeah, yeah so to anyway. the interweb. And you led the way, and I followed you. That's Your right. podcast. <laughs> so, just to close up, Brid, tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about you or and what you're up to.
1: So you can find me on Instagram, and my handle is B and then P I A C E N T I, and that is about all for now everything you need to know you can uh, you can find on on my instagram
0: and if you're interested in taking any of her classes you post those on instagram Post my schedule
1: on instagram so people can
0: take those on the web if they're interested all right well thanks so much for being here love you girl love you too okay Bye -bye. bye So thank you so much to our guest, Bridget Pashanti, for joining me on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and be sure to subscribe. Thank you so much to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Michael Garcia, and I'm your host, Jessica Lindbergh.